We're very good at R&D at Genentech. We're very proud of that. And I think that a lot of companies have lost their way in terms of their research and development and, frankly, don't have the quality of scientists that, that we have. I guess I can say that if I don't mention any particular companies. Um, but So they, they have to look outside for their molecules. Now, if you're going to start a biotech company, you know, you can get some scientists together, you can, you know, do some, do some experiments, you can maybe raise enough money to get a molecule into the clinic. But remember, as you start doing the later stage experiments, these experiments cost hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's unlikely that any small company, well, I would say it's not unlikely, it is impossible nowadays that any small biotech company would be able to raise enough money to do its own large phase three clinical trial. So the companies have to partner with larger pharmaceutical companies which have the resources to do that. Uh, so, well, we have 1,300 scientists at Genentech. That doesn't include the, the clinical groups and so on. Um, we'll, however many scientists we have, we will always be a small part of the overall life science industry. And we have a I have a business development group that reports to me. It's 25 people. Uh, many have PhDs and MBAs. Some have MDs, PhDs, and MBAs. I'm undereducated compared to <laughs> some of these people. And they have the world divided up into territories. And we're constantly looking to, to in-license uh, innovation that comes from outside of Genentech. Uh, so we're very, very... Uh, we're very, very conscious that you know, we don't have all the good ideas and we don't invent all the good things. Hopefully, we're somewhat less dependent on it than some of the other pharmaceutical companies whose R&D may not be uh, quite as good, where they, as you said, almost solely depend now on in-licensing. And actually, they don't even... Some of the companies have so much money and are getting so desperate because of the, the drugs coming off of patents... When a drug comes off of a patent and becomes generic, if it's, a, if it's a simple chemical, not a protein antibody, if it's a simple chemical, the generic companies move in and basically the, the, the innovator price falls by usually about tenfold in six months. And there's huge, huge patent expiries coming in the industry, so people are quite desperate right now. So... I would say a lot, of, but they've made a ton of money off of these molecules over the last decade. So they'll now go into a small company and say, look, we don't, we, we don't want to license it. Just how much do you want? We'll buy you. And uh, you know, that can be a very lucrative model for uh, startup biotechs. If you, can, if you can bring a molecule into the clinic and interest a, uh, a large pharmaceutical company in the molecule and start with, uh, let's say, 20 or Fifty you know, million dollars of capital, and then sell the company five or seven years later for half a billion dollars. Uh, well, it's not bad. Oh, the question is how um, I'm a, I'm sort of inward looking, and uh, you know, coming from academia and so on, worked in a lab sort of by, by with my students and so on. But now I have thousands of people that work for me. How do we how do we motivate? How do someone like me motivate folks? <laughs> so at Genentech, we, we actually have a, we work a lot on our culture. 
we spend a lot of time thinking about our culture. I have a, I have a, a leadership team, and we motivate people by the fact that we are doing work that we believe will really, really help patients and sick people. And if you think about, if I think about the kinds of molecules that we have in clinical development for things like Alzheimer's disease, asthma, cancer, infectious disease, psychiatric disorders, if our portfolio plays out reasonably successfully over the next decade, it could actually be the case that we will rather directly affect every family in the, in the developed world. I mean, who doesn't know someone in their family that's had one of those diseases? So, you know, really, we really, really help patients, and that is extremely motivating to me. You know, to unblind a clinical trial, especially, especially an oncology clinical trial, where, you know, I, I, where you give half the patients the drug and half the patients the placebo, and the end point is how fast they die. I mean, to unblind a clinical trial like that and to see that you've made a difference is really, really, uh, you know, most, I mean, the, the room usually starts crying. I mean, it's just, it's really, really, so, so the first thing is meaningful work. We believe, we do meaningful work, and we talk about it. So I had a town hall last week, so all 2,000 people, we had a patient come and talk. The patient was taking a, uh, a, a hedgehog inhibitor for it's for a number of diseases, but largely basal cell carcinoma. This guy had a disease called Gorlin's disease. It's fairly rare, but it's a basal cell disease again where you get, you get large growths. And if they're, not, if they're not surgically removed, they can be, you know, mostly they start on your face and then your trunk. They can, he's had it his whole life. It can be fist size, and he's a salesman. And he said, my whole life I went out doing sales and I had big scars all over. A chunk of his ear is gone. You know, and, th- and you know, this, this is a targeted drug. It's a mutation in the pathway that gives rise to this disease. He takes our drug. He d- all the lesions are gone. He hasn't had one since he started taking the drug. He was so thankful. So you know, I, think that's, I think that's a big, big motivator for our industry. And it's, you know, maybe a little different than other industries. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I love, I love iPhones, but, you know, they don't save my, my probably does save my life, actually. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But, you know, it's a little different. So I think that's really the, you know, that's the number one thing. And then we, you know, motivate people through. There's always compensation. Uh, so we have, you know, three components to our compensation, um, salary, stock, and bonus. And uh, we target salaries at the 50th percentile of the market, and we um, have a target bonus that's at the 50th percentile, but there's tremendous upside depending on the performance of the company and the performance of the, of the individual. You know, did you move a molecule into the clinic? Did you publish a bunch of great papers? Were you the lead clinical scientist on a phase two study where the design was terrific and it worked, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So bonus. And then, of course, stock, which tracks with the overall performance of the company. 
So I think it's, uh, I think those would be, the, I could talk about that for a long time, but I think those would be the two major things. There are ethical issues every day. There are ethical issues, a lot of ethical issues around the, around the clinical trials. And, uh, for example, if you have a drug that you're pretty sure is going to work, and you're required, we're required in a number of cases by the FDA to have a placebo group. And, you know, nobody wants to be in the placebo when we're doing a survival trial. Nobody wants to be in the placebo group. And, you know, one could question whether it's ethical to even have a placebo group or whether you should just put everyone on the drug and compare it to historical standards, which, is, which of course, is not as good an experiment, that's for sure. But these are, these are you know, real folks that, that you're treating. So a lot of, a lot of our issues around our clinical trials are basically determined by the FDA, where they tell us, look, no placebo control, no approval, no drug for anybody. So we're required in a lot of cases to, and, and we often, often, we sometimes disagree with the FDA on whether we should, it's ethical to have a, a placebo group, but in the end, they're the regulators, and you know, they would rather you know, be really, really sure that you have a drug that makes a difference that you can then market to, to you know, hundreds or thousands or a million people than to, and you know, maybe for some folks not to get the drug early on and to be sure in the end that it's a good drug. So a lot of our ethical issues around, around our clinical trials are determined by the regulatory agencies, and we basically just have to follow what they say. Now, in terms of, a, in terms of, uh, of drugs and their, their use in the, in the third world, you know, we wouldn't, um, you know, frankly, uh, we wouldn't try and make a drug for uh, a third world country disease because it's not, uh, it's not profitable. Unfortunately, there are groups like the Gates Foundation now that are putting the, the kind of money into those kinds of uh, clinical development work that uh, you know are starting to think more about that. But we just don't. Uh, you know, we we can't justify to the people that buy our stock every day that we're going to spend one and a half billion dollars and then give it away. Um, you know, that's it's for better or for worse, and that's not the way. The Western world functions nowadays. Um, you know, if it's if it's free enterprise, that's going to determine you know, what drugs are made, um, and it's it's a it's a growth, hopefully driven business. Um, I have to justify at the end that there's some return on the investment that I make. Uh, you know, we do in the United States, for example. Though it was really a it was really a bit of a, a fallacy that, that you know, our healthcare system was so, was so terrible. I mean, in terms of prescription drugs, if you have insurance, insurance pays. If you have insurance and you have to, have to make a co-payment, and sometimes on an expensive drug, the co-payment can be more money than someone would have. So if you couldn't afford the co-payment, we paid it. And if you didn't have any insurance and you needed the drug, we just gave people the drug. So somebody wanted to do, uh, 60 Minutes wanted to do 
a story once on one of our expensive cancer drugs and to find somebody that was dying because they couldn't get the drug and make us look bad. But you know what? They couldn't actually find anyone who wasn't getting the drug. So, you know, in that drug we have given away, I don't, I don't remember what the number is, a billion dollars worth of, worth of free drug. We, we, um, get, we spend a lot of money every year on co-payment, uh, co-payments for folks. So we believe that at least, in the, at least in the Western world where we operate, that everybody has access to our drugs, um, even if we just give it to them for free. <laughs>